0: This morning, our text, if you'll turn in your Bible, is to uh, the book of Acts, verses 1 through 11. Um, We will read that as we go through the message. Some of the scripture this morning will be on the PowerPoint, because I will be referring to many scriptures quickly to make a point, and rather than having us trying to follow ourselves uh, around the Bible to keep up, I put those on the PowerPoint and there will be a couple of scriptures that you will need to open your Bibles to. And one I would like you in Acts chapter one with your finger there. uh, We will move from there uh, shortly. But let me read the key text to our message this morning, a very familiar text to all of us. Acts chapter one, verse eight, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I pray God does what we sang to him a moment ago, that he would truly this morning give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts that are open and willing to obey what he speaks to us this morning. The year was 597 BC. Nebuchadnezzar had arrived in Jerusalem and began to besiege the city. The Bible tells us in 2nd Chronicles chapter 36, "The Lord sent messengers persistently to his people because he had compassion on them and on his dwelling place. But they kept mocking the messengers of God, despising his word and scoffing at his prophets." until the wrath of the Lord rose against His people, until there was no remedy. In 594 B.C., just three years later, Nebuchadnezzar takes Jerusalem. Jeremiah was one of the prophets that was preaching in that day. He was one of the prophets who had been mocked and scoffed at for 23 years of his ministry. We call him the weeping prophet. He had been telling his people over and over again that coming judgment was upon them, that they had turned away from God and gone their own way, and that God was going to bring judgment upon them, overthrow them, bring them into captivity. And he got specific and said, for 70 years we will be in captivity. But if you will obey Nebuchadnezzar, if you will humble yourself and put yourself, place yourself under your enemy's reign, in 70 years, the glory will be restored back to Israel. Well, King Zedekiah did not believe Jeremiah. He didn't like the message. He would be long dead in 70 years. He wanted something to happen right away, and he began to plan a revolt against Nebuchadnezzar. He was joined by many other patriotic prophets who whipped up support by generalizing passages of prophecy, speaking about peace and safety. One of those false prophets, his name is Hananiah. He preached to the people in the presence of Jeremiah. You guessed it. Peace, safety, do not worry. He said within two years, not 70 years like Jeremiah says, within two years, God is going to break this yoke of Nebuchadnezzar's power over us and restore the glory back to us in just two quick years. Be hopeful. Soon peace will be here. who should the people believe? Can you think of what was going on? Can you place yourself in the context where your country is just overthrown by an enemy and your pastor is telling you, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. This is part of God's plan. God is at work. God moves nations here and there. God is doing this. Just put yourself, place yourself humbly under their leadership God is going to come and restore us again in the future. His Word says so. He holds true to His Word. And somebody else says, no, 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 no. No, no, no. God is a God of peace and safety. He loves you. He doesn't want you to suffer. He doesn't want anything bad to happen to you. But let's call Him the prosperity preacher. In just a short time, everything's going to be glorious, man. Be hopeful. Be hopeful. Who would you want to believe? The guy who's been calling judgment from God down on you for the last 23 years of his ministry? The boring preacher? Calling out our sin, telling us what is the truth from God about our condition? Or do you want to listen to the person that's got good news? Life is going to be wonderful. Things are going to be better. Everything is going to look better tomorrow. How can we know who to listen to? Well, that was the very question that came this morning in our Scripture text. How do we know, Lord, who it is that we should be listening to? Well, Jeremiah stood in the presence of Hananiah, who had publicly made this wonderful prophecy to make everybody feel better, and spoke against him and spoke the Word of the Lord and said this, Hananiah, this year you will die because you have uttered rebellion against the Lord. Well, there he goes again. <laughs> yeah, the negative preacher talking about sin. Now he's even telling him the prophet's going to die. Yep, go for it, Jeremiah. The very next verse in Scripture says In that same year, in the seventh month, the prophet Hananiah died. There it is, folks. There it is right in Scripture. Who are we to believe when we listen to all the messages? The Scripture teaches us that if a prophet speaks and what he says comes true, he is a prophet of God. If he speaks and what he says doesn't come true, he is a liar and a false prophet. Do not listen to him. We read this morning, Moses said in Deuteronomy 18, the prophet who presumes to speak a word in My name that I have not commanded him to speak, that same prophet shall die. Oh, there it is. The evidence in Scripture. Hananiah fulfilled God's Moses words from God so many years prior to that. And if you say in your heart, how will we know whether, the Lord, whether or not the Lord has spoken? God says this to us. When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, And if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. On the positive side, obviously, if something Jeremiah has said to you has come true, Hananiah, this time next year, you're going to be dead. Then you can trust when Jeremiah says, for 70 years, we're going to be under Nebuchadnezzar. But God is not finished with us yet. If short-term comes true, you can count on it. The long-term prophecy will come true. I want you to keep that in your mind this morning as we look at this very familiar text to us so that we don't look at it too rapidly and miss what the Holy Spirit through Luke is doing in the book of Acts. Now, I want you to open in your Bible... To Luke chapter 1, which is page 855 in your pew Bible, if you're using a pew Bible, to the very beginning of the Gospel of Luke. Now, why why am I going to the Gospel of Luke? I thought our message was in Acts. Well, one of the things I'm sure you know is Acts is volume 2 of a work done by Luke. Volume 2. We like to have things in their context, and certainly verses one through eleven is the immediate context of verse eight that we're looking at intensely this morning. But we need to go back further. If if Luke has written a whole volume that introduces us to volume two, then we need to go back and get the context, get the ideas of what Luke is talking about so that we can accurately understand um, this somewhat puzzling verse. Acts 1, 8, that we have heard different things about from different times. So this is from your Bibles. If you would look at your Bibles, I will read. Inasmuch as as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, O most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. So volume one, which we call the Gospel of Luke. Why did Luke write this? Matthew had already been written. Mark had already been written. Why do we need another gospel? Well, he tells us right up front. The other gospel writers don't tell us right up front, but he tells us right up front why he's writing it. He's writing it to a man named Theophilus, which means lover of God. And he wants him to be assured in his heart, certain of the truth that he had been hearing. And so Luke literally gathered probably the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Mark and a lot of other things that had been said and written. And he had written down many things by eyewitnesses who were in the ministry of Jesus, some of the other apostles, et cetera. Et cetera. And he put this account, account together on purpose so that the reader would have confidence in the truth of the Gospel that he had been taught. That's why Volume 1, was written. Now if you'll fast forward to me with me to Luke chapter twenty-four, page eight hundred and eighty-five in your pew Bible, Luke chapter twenty-four. Verses twenty-five and twenty-six. And Jesus said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into His glory? You remember this story. It's it's the two men on the road to Emmaus. It's on the day of the resurrection. These men are still depressed about the crucifixion. They're sorrowful that their leader was now gone. All their hopes for the future were gone. Everything they thought was going to happen has just been murdered. Buried. Gone. And so they're moping, walking down the road to Emmaus, and Jesus comes up, hiding his identity from them, and says, hey guys, what's wrong? What is wrong with you? Uh, hello? <laughs> Haven't you heard? I like, Did you just arrive here? Are you from another planet? Haven't you heard all of the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth? And, he, and they go, begin to tell Jesus what happened about his crucifixion. And then Jesus says, oh, brothers, slow of heart to believe what the prophets have spoken. It was necessary for Christ to suffer. The prophets had spoken it. It was necessary for him to be risen from the dead. Jesus is now raised from the dead, walking with these men. This is all part of the Word. This is all part of the speech of the prophets. If you'll go ahead a little bit further to verse 44, same chapter, Luke 24, 44. Then He said to them, Jesus said to them, These are My words that I spoke to you while I was with you, that everything written about Me in the Law of Moses and the Prophets and the Psalms must be Fulfilled. Then He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. Oh, praise God. Is that not what we sung and prayed for God to do for us this morning? Oh God, open our minds to the truth. And He said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer, and that on the third day He would rise from the dead, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all generations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. You've seen this. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Jesus has been raised from the dead. He is beginning to reveal Himself during the days that He was on earth before He was ascended into heaven. And this one of His early meetings with these men, He points out three things that must happen that were spoken by the prophets. The Christ would suffer. Already done. The Christ would rise. He's standing right next to them, alive from the dead. Number three, this gospel message, this message of hope, is to be preached to every nation, beginning with Jerusalem. And this message will bring about the forgiveness of sins through the repentance of those who hear the message. Let's go back to Acts chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. We enter into volume 2. Luke continues his writing to the same man. Look at the passage. You can either look up at the board or look in your Bible. Acts chapter 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day when he was taken up after He would given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom He had chosen. We just left there in, in Luke chapter 24, right? Jesus, the whole Gospel of Luke is all about what Jesus began to do and to teach while his, during His earthly ministry with the disciples. He's now raised from the dead. He's standing with them, teaching them, commanding them through His Holy Spirit. He opened their minds to the scriptures through the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 3. He presented himself alive to them after his sufferings by many proofs, appearing them during appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while they were and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart Jerusalem. But to wait for the promise from the Father, which he said, You have heard of me. John the Baptized, John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from hence. Sound familiar? We just left this in in the end of Volume 1. This is what Jesus said. Luke begins Volume 2 by bringing Theophilus back to Volume 1. Remember, remember, remember where we are. Remember what Jesus has just commanded His disciples. Remember that Jesus said, not many days from now, what I am speaking into your life is going to take place. So, verse 6, When they had come together, they asked Him, Lord, will You at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? This is interesting if you think about last week's message here at Faith Bible. We were with these guys last week before the crucifixion. Remember? Jesus is teaching His his disciples. And what do they want to know? They want to know about the end. They, they want to they know about what's going to happen. When, when is the kingdom going to be restored to Israel? When are all, all these things going to happen? And Jesus said to them, Hey! It's not for you to know when these things are going to happen. I don't even know when these things are going to happen. They are kept by the Father for these things. Now, what has taken place since last week's message? Well, Jesus has been crucified. And for every follower, to a T, their hope has been crushed. But now He's raised from the dead. And now He appears to His disciples. And they're standing on the Mount of Olives. And He's teaching them, we just read in verse 3, He's teaching them things concerning the kingdom of God. This is a great question. This is a question from one of the greatest, or, or, or the greatest prophecies of the Old Testament. God is going to restore His kingdom. The Bible's been talking about this all along. Jesus has been teaching them about this over these 40 days. He's getting ready to ascend into heaven. And their question is, when? Tell me when? Human nature doesn't change too much. But I think what they're thinking is, wow, look at Him. He's been raised from the dead. He just walked through the wall of that other place. He appears wherever He feels like appearing at. Now must be the time that He is going to by power overthrow Rome and we're going to establish the kingdom of God on earth. It's going to happen now. Right, right, right? So, so when is this going to happen? This is not a bad question. This is a question of the greatest prophecies of the Old Testament being asked to the greatest prophet who has ever stepped foot on the planet. Now you and I as Christians do not think about Jesus as a prophet. If I ask you, tell me, what, tell me something about Jesus. Tell me something. He's my Savior. That's probably number one and should be for, for us. He's my Lord. Maybe that ought to be one. <laughs> he is my Lord and my Savior. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is Lamb of God. And we, we could go through a list of Bible names for Jesus. Probably as Christians, we would not say He is the greatest prophet who ever lived. But this is exactly how Luke thinks about Jesus Christ in Volume 1 and in Volume 2. And we need to take that into consideration as we begin to look at this passage together. Now I'm going to rapidly take you back to Volume 1 for a moment. To hear Luke's record that's going to clarify for Theophilus the truth of the gospel, the truth about Jesus Christ. What does Luke emphasize from many different aspects about Jesus? This is important to us, I believe, in this text. Luke chapter 4, verse 24. Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. Jesus is the author of that statement. You remember? As he as he was being rejected, in his, he said, no, no prophet. Jesus Christ Himself called Himself a prophet. The people, they glorified God and they said, a great prophet has arisen among us and God has visited us. This is chapter 7 of Luke, a different great crowd and they're listening to Jesus and they're watching His miracles and it's like, wow, this is a great prophet. That's what Luke emphasizes. The Pharisees, in disbelief, if this man were a prophet, like everybody says he's a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who's touching him. She's a sinner. You remember this story, right? As he is anointed with the precious oil from the sinful woman. And the Pharisees said, he's no prophet. Nevertheless, Jesus said, I must go on, My way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. This is his interaction with Herod that fox. You tell Herod, who thinks he's going to determine where I go and when I go, that I will go the way God has called me, because no prophet Jesus calls himself a prophet. Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, this is the two men on the road to Emmaus that we just talked about. They're telling Jesus, look, don't you know anything about this guy, Jesus of Nazareth, the man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people? Don't you know this guy? They're talking to Jesus. It's kind of humorous. And our scripture reading this morning, Moses said many, 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 many years before Jesus came, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him. Take note. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. This is Luke quoting back on Peter's Pentecost message. Peter is quoting from Moses about Jesus Christ, that He is the prophet that the people were to listen to and yet they crucified Him. And then again in chapter 7, verse 37, Stephen, before he's stoned to death for his faith in Jesus Christ, quotes this same verse and talks about Jesus being the prophet that Moses of all people claimed would come, and that all people must listen to Him or perish. John the Baptist in Luke chapter 3 said of Jesus, He who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Jesus said of John, Luke 7, 28, I tell you that among... Those born of woman, none is greater than John. John the Baptist is the greatest Old Testament prophet of all prophets. He had the great privilege to introduce the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. Isaiah saw him from a distance. John the Baptist introduced him to the people the greatest prophet who ever lived, said about Jesus, He is greater, He is mightier than I. And then Luke 9, the voice of the Father from heaven, this is my Son, my chosen one. Listen to Him. This is the one Moses prophesied so many, many, many years ago who would come. The greatest prophet who had ever stepped foot on this planet came and His Father says, listen to Him. All of those Scriptures that we just looked at were written by Luke in Volume 1 and Volume 2. As He is teaching Theophilus, about the truths of the kingdom of God, about the truths of the gospel, about the truths of Jesus Christ. And we can't help but to summarize that one of those greatest truths is that Jesus is the greatest prophet who ever lived. And so Jesus answers these men, when will this happen? And he turns to them and he says, it it is not for you to know the times and seasons. Boy, that must have echoed in their ears, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, I think we heard this before. It's still not for us to know the time or the seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority. But, and here is where we get to our Scripture, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. The question we need to ask ourselves so that we can understand why the Holy Spirit put this in volume two, Acts, the book of Acts, in this particular verse, so that we can understand what it means and so that we can respond appropriately we need to ask ourselves, is this a command? Is that what this is here for? Is this you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes about you. You've you got to go do this. I mean, we, we often call this the Great Commission in the book of Acts. And, our, and what we read in chapter 24 of volume 1, we call the Great Commission in the book, in the Gospel of Luke. We all know the Great Commission in Matthew better than any of the other ones. And it has that wonderful word at the beginning, which is a command, go and make disciples. We are commanded to make disciples wherever we go. I think one of the mistakes we make is we take Matthew's reason for putting the Great Commission and insert his purposes into the Gospel of Luke and we just look at this the same way. Now, it's just a command for us to go and you know that's for guys like Rob Clark and Justin Harris and you know other guys who are called specially to go. And the rest of us, we'll cheer them on. You know, we'll throw money at them. We'll we'll do whatever. We'll cheer them on. Everything will be just glorious. But that is not why Luke is doing this. Luke is not commanding Theophilus to go. He's clarifying for him the truths about the kingdom of God. The truths about what Jesus is doing. Remember back at verse one, volume one. He makes very clear, I told you everything that Jesus began both to do, to say, and to do. Volume 2 is a continuation of Volume 1. I told you what he began to do. I am now going to tell you what he's continuing to do. So, is this a command to us? If it is a command, then the rest of the book of Acts should be a picture of Jesus' followers obeying that command. Specifically, the guys he's talking to on the Mount of Olives. There's 11 guys standing there. He's not speaking to Peter. He's not speaking to Paul. Paul's not even there. He's speaking to the 11 guys presently. And he says this. And then we read through the book of Acts and like most of those guys' names aren't even mentioned other than maybe... Uh, mentioned in the first chapter that they were part of being his apostles. We have the story, it seems, of uh, just two men. Peter, yeah, he was there. And Paul, he wasn't even there. So if this is a command, then Luke would certainly be showing us that all of his disciples obeyed his command. But that doesn't seem to be what the book of Acts is doing. Because I don't think Luke has framed this as a command like Matthew did. Luke has framed this as a prophecy, as a prediction. Because we have the greatest prophet who has ever stepped foot on the earth, having just been asked the greatest prophecy Old Testament ever points to, and his answer is, you don't need to know what time, you just need to know this is what's going to happen. This is a prophecy that has four different parts to it. And if this is a prophecy, then it's not looking for people, the rest of the book of Acts is not going to be an example of people obeying this prophecy, but rather it functions not as an example for you and I to imitate. Okay, this is the way it's usually interpreted. Justin, you're the pastor here. This is a command, and it teaches you how to evangelize the world. This is a how-to on how to evangelize the world, and you need to obey it. You need to start right here in Naples, and you need to reach Naples with the gospel. And when Naples is reached with the gospel, then you step out into the next county. You get your people to go to the next county. And when that next county is reached, then you can go to the rest of Florida. And not until then. And in Florida, then you, you expand out to the rest of the United States. You send those people out there. And then one day you may be dead, but the next pastor can send them to the rest of the world. I don't think so. The book of Acts doesn't do it that way. Matter of fact, the word goes out immediately from the day of Pentecost, just about to every everywhere. This is a prophecy. That the greatest prophet who ever stepped foot on the earth is is answering a question of his disciples. Hey guys, here's what's going to happen. And so the rest of the story, the rest of volume 2, is not an example for you and I to imitate. It's an encouragement to all of us who read it that nothing can hinder Jesus' work as He advances the gospel by the power of His Spirit which He has sent to us from heaven. Let me say that again. Nothing can hinder His work as He advances the gospel by the power of His Spirit, which He has sent to us from heaven. Volume 1 is, I told you everything that Jesus began to do, to say and to do. Volume 2 is, Now I'm going to tell you the rest of what he's doing and what he's going to do. The book of Acts is all about Jesus. It's not about Peter. It's not about Paul. It's about Jesus. The Scriptures are about Jesus. Luke's heart is about Jesus. And he's saying Jesus is going to build His church and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. And that's the way We are going to take some time this morning to look at these four segments of this prophecy and ask ourselves, you ask yourself as we're doing this, is this true? Do I believe it? And if the answer to that is yes, then how am I to respond to this? If Jesus is saying this, Is what's going to happen. Let's look at it together. Very quickly, the outline of volume two does follow. Most believers would agree with you, would agree that the wait and arrival of the promise of the Father that's part of this prophecy, Acts chapter 1, chapter 2. The witness to the of the gospel in Jerusalem 2 through 7. The witness The Judea and Samaria, 8 through 12. The witness of the gospel to the end of the earth, 13 through 28. So there is an outline of the way Luke tells the story, inspired by the Holy Spirit, so that we'll get the point. What I want to do is work rapidly through that story. And see what we think. Think with me for a second. We just read this together twice. You remember the 11 guys that were at the Mount on the Mount of Olives with Jesus, right? You remember as we've been going through the Gospel of Mark together, as they fought with each other over who's going to be the greatest? Like, these are the guys that we're talking about here. That Jesus is saying, this is what I'm going to do. They're basically uneducated men, unsophisticated men, common men, commercial fishermen and the like. They're argumentative at times with each other about who's going to be the best, the special, the greatest. And Jesus says He's going to use them to do what? To reach where? To reach Jerusalem? Are you serious? You will receive power and go to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the other most... Are you, are you... These guys? This group of rabble-rousers are going to do this? They're going to flip the world upside down? For real? Well, that's what he said. Oh yeah, this is what they said. Remember? Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? These are the guys... Right? We're preparing to go into a village with Jesus in Samaria. Jesus said, go prepare the way. Da, 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 da. The people rejected the idea of having Jesus come into their village. The first thing that comes to James and John's mind is, let's burn them to a crisp. They're going to spend eternity in hell anyway. Why don't I just call fire down from heaven and get this thing over with? These guys are going to reach the world with love and compassion and truth that Jesus Christ has. Really? Well, man, I'd like to see that happen. Well, watch. You remember in Luke 24, we read, Jesus opened their minds to understand the Scripture. Everywhere before this in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus taught, and the response was, the disciples had no clue what He just said. Hey, they had no understanding. They couldn't figure out what he was talking about. Every, t- every time he talked about the crucifixion and the resurrection, phew, meh, made no sense, no connection, nothing. Now here it is after the resurrection. He's preparing to go to heaven, the ascension. And he, by the power of the Holy Spirit, opens their mind to what? To the scriptures. Well, he's leaving. He's not going to be there to do that again. Something has to happen. In Acts chapter 2, verse 4, the Holy Spirit is sent by Jesus Christ from heaven. And 120 people in the upper room are filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to preach the Gospel in many different languages that none of them spoke so that everybody around could hear the truth about the suffering of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, and the forgiveness of sins that is found in that hopeful message. God powerfully transformed these men by the Holy Spirit's ministry that Jesus sent back after He left. One man put it this way. They had experienced the Holy Spirit through the presence of the Lord Jesus during His earthly ministry in Volume 1. Now in Volume 2, they would experience the Lord Jesus through the presence of His Spirit in their ministries. This is about Jesus. The book of Acts is about Jesus and what Jesus is doing. And we need to ask, okay, Jesus made this prediction that the Holy Spirit was going to be poured out from them on them in not too many days. Is that true? Did that really, really happen? Well, they were filled with the Spirit, they began to preach the Word, and those who received the Word were baptized, and there were added that day about three thousand souls. Three thousand miracles. That's power. Three thousand miracles after one message. That's power. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men was about 5,000. We're only in chapter 4 of the book of Acts, volume 2. We're already up to 5,000 men who have miraculously been transformed from sinners to saints. That doesn't include their wives. It doesn't include any children that may have trusted Christ. Is there power? Is Jesus' prophecy that the Holy Spirit will come upon you and give you power? Is that true? Has that happened? And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. You will receive power. Is that real? Is that true? Yes, it is. And if you will remember back with me to Hananiah and Jeremiah, Jeremiah said, in 70 years, God is going to restore. How can we believe Him? Next year, you're going to die. And in the seventh month, the tenth day, whatever it was, Hananiah dropped dead in fulfillment of the Word of God through Jeremiah. The short-term prophecy had been fulfilled. That must have sobered up everybody to listen a little more closely to what Jeremiah said had to say to those people. Jesus follows the pattern of Old Testament prophecy and gives short-term, a little bit longer, a little bit longer, all the way to the ends of the earth prophecy in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You can check it off. This happened historically in the book of Acts. So we come to the next one. You will be my witness in Jerusalem. Okay, we have already got a picture of who He's talking to. They are going to be a witness to the resurrection to the Jewish elitists. The chief priests, the scribes, the Pharisees, the ones who persecuted, mocked, scoffed at and crucified their Savior. These guys, who have no education, are going to go to the most educated and testify to the resurrection. Yeah, well, that'll last about 15 minutes. And they'll be crucified in crosses on the same location as their Savior. You can count on it. Acts chapter 6, verse 7, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly where? In Jerusalem. Oh yeah, that was all the poor people. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. The educated elite, the ones who held the keys to the religious life in Jerusalem, The ones who crucified Jesus Christ became obedient to the faith because of the preaching of fishermen, common, ordinary people like you and me. These men came to know Jesus Christ and flipped Jerusalem upside down down. So you will be witnesses to really, 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 yes. I don't know if you see where we're going here, but if Jesus said the Holy Spirit's coming soon, and soon came, and the Holy Spirit came, we can trust what Jesus says. If Jesus said these men of all men on earth Are going to be used powerfully by the Holy Spirit because they're going to be preaching the gospel. The gospel is the power of God. Okay, Peter's not the strong one in the Holy Spirit. You are not, you do not have to be the strong one. We are weak, cracked vessels. That is who we are. The message is the power of God unto salvation. These men just simply had to take the message to testify to the message that Jesus had been raised from the dead. He is Lord of lords and King of kings. And He is coming again. And these men did that. And they witnessed in Jerusalem. And those in Jerusalem were transformed by the power of God. And Jesus goes out and spans it out even to a crazier place. Judea and, and Samaria. Samaria. If you've been in church for any length of time, you know Samaria is not exactly like Jewish friendly friendly town. They're the half Jews. Which means they're the enemy. And you remember all the disciples are Jews, okay? Let's be reminded of the day. All the disciples are Jews. And these Jews, Jesus said, are going to go to Samaria. Not me, buddy. I ain't going to that place. That was James and John. I'll burn them off the earth. I'll give them what they got coming to them. The judgment of God. Do you feel that way about anybody? I I come across people that feel that way about the Chinese. It kind of hurts a little bit. Feel that way about North Koreans. Feel that way about Arabs. Let's just take them out. Let's get this over. We're going to go to them? Well, Luke continues in the story and says, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. This is significant. If the book of Acts is about the obedience of the apostles, here we have the apostles disobeying right here. They're not going anywhere. They're in the church of Jerusalem. God's got... A plan. Jesus is working towards the ends of the earth. And Samaria is next on the plan. And these guys aren't going anywhere. And there is a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Interesting where they scattered to, isn't it? They're running for their lives, folks. The fires of persecution, they're running for their lives. But here's what the Holy Spirit's doing in the midst of that. Now those who were scattered, those who were running for their lives, went about preaching the Word. What other hope is there? This is what's happened in China. What other hope do people have other than the Gospel? So let the fires of persecution come and let them push them out of my hometown. Let them drag me to the other side of China. I'm going to tell people the Gospel wherever it takes me. That's what's happened in China. That's what's happened here. They took the message. They were preaching the Gospel in Judea and Samaria. And Philip went down specifically to Samaria, a city in Samaria, proclaimed to them the Christ, how He would suffer, how He rose. Now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the Word of God, they never dreamed Samaria would receive the Gospel. They sent to them Peter and John. Peter came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. And they received the Holy Spirit. They were going to be witnesses. And Judah, really? done. Jesus said it. The greatest prophet who ever stepped foot on this planet said this was going to happen. This happened. Now we're thinking, okay, wait a minute, we're in a whole nother realm here. <laughs> so they're going to witness to the end of the earth? How is that even possible? Well, let's go back to New Testament times. What did Luke mean? Did, did Luke have in his mind they're going to get all the way to New Zealand, Hawaii, and America. Wow, awesome. Is that what Luke was thinking when he wrote, To the Ends of the Earth? Okay, so far we've been in Jewishville, Jerusalem. Then we moved out to the half-Jews. And now we are going a great leap further, into the rest of the world, the Gentile world. Luke is saying the Gospel, Jesus is saying the Gospel is going to go even out to the Gentile world. The context when Luke is writing is the Roman Empire. It's the world. Rome is the center of the world. It's still insane if you think about it that these crazy guys, Jewish guys, Fishermen and other zealots and tax collectors and so forth? That these guys are going to take the message to the Gentiles? Come on. Well, let's take a look at it. While Peter was standing, was was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard His word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out on even the Gentiles. Acts chapter 10. Peter is in Cornelius' house. Here's the other thing. No Jew would even go into Gentile territory. No Jew would ever enter a Gentile's home. And no Jew would ever speak to a Gentile. And because God spoke to Peter, he went into this home, Gentile home, this unclean place. And he brought six other Jewish guys who were freaking out probably that they were entering in there. And what do they find in there? They find a guy who an angel had spoke to, told Peter to come talk to this guy. And this guy filled his house with his relatives and his friends. Oh, how Justin would be pleased if you would fill your house with your relatives and friends and ask Justin to come over and share the gospel. Wow! Or anybody else in this church. I've got my relatives together. I've got my friends together. They don't know Jesus Christ. Please come and tell us. And Peter walks in and says, hey, what is it that that you want? And he tells them. And while he's still sharing the gospel, the Holy Spirit falls on Gentiles. Unheard of. And when they back in Jerusalem heard these things, uh, not back in Jerusalem, I'm sorry, when probably the six Jews heard these things, they fell silent. And they glorified God saying, then to the Gentiles, God has also granted repentance that leads to life. You will be my witnesses to the uttermost parts of the earth and so the story begins peter steps out into the uttermost parts of the earth the heathen gentile peoples with the gospel and the holy spirit comes upon them and the hand of the lord was with them and a great number who believed turned to the lord Therefore, let it be known. We now end the end of volume two, the end of the book of Acts. And Luke is wrapping up his story. And he wraps up his story with the Apostle Paul under house arrest in Rome, in the center of the earth. We read in the book of Philippians, he is sharing the gospel all the way into Caesar's family, into Caesar's household. Therefore, let it be known, Paul says to you Jews, that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. And guess what? They will listen. The Gentiles will listen. And so Paul was proclaiming, this is the end of the book, the end of the volume. Paul was proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness. Time and time again through Luke's account in the book of Acts of the Holy Spirit's work. It says the Holy Spirit filled these men and they spoke the word with boldness. The Holy Spirit gave them illumination into the Scriptures, confidence of the truth of the Scriptures, which is why Luke is writing this to Theophilus, so that he will have the same confidence. Over and over and over again, the Holy Spirit gives them boldness. They preach. Many come to Christ. Here's Paul In prison, people are coming in and out visiting Him, and He with all boldness. It's another way of Luke saying filled with the Spirit of God, illuminated in the truth of the Word of God. He boldly is sharing the Gospel over and over again and doing so without hindrance. We said at the beginning of our message, if this is a prophecy then the point of this prophecy is for Theophilus and everyone else who reads this volume to be encouraged that Jesus' work continues. Jesus is building His church. Jesus is marching forward. And He will fulfill everything that He says He will fulfill. We only need to get on board with Him. He's doing this the work. This is not a command for you to go do something great that you don't have the strength to do. This is for you and I as common, mostly educated to submit our wills to his and to get on with him as he marches and advances the gospel by the power of his spirit for his glory and honor. So was this fulfilled in the time of the New Testament? The world of the New Testament had impossibly been reached by these incredulous men who were empowered by the Spirit of God to take a powerful message of the Gospel to all of these places. But the message and the prophecy is not over yet. Here's a world map, folks. And here's where we end. You see that star in the middle of the map? That's Jerusalem. Now that's pretty big. That's covering more than Israel. That's probably covering four or five countries, that little tiny star. If I made it the size of Jerusalem, you wouldn't be able to see it. From Jerusalem, Jesus said, to the uttermost parts of the world, this gospel's going to (laughs) go. Really? How, how is that even? Come on. Well, this morning, that's where we're sitting. Naples, Florida. Has the gospel been here yet? Oh, it has? Wow, that's. you realize that's halfway across the world? And that's where Lee and I live in China, where the gospel is on fire. Wow. Like from as far as the east is from the west as far as the east is from the west. Jesus' Word, the words of the greatest prophet who ever stepped foot on this earth, that His message of His crucifixion, His suffering for our sins, and His resurrection to eternal life for the forgiveness of our sins, as we hear the message and repent of our sins, that that thing would go all the way around the world. Those stars represent everywhere on earth the gospel has already gone. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Do you believe that? Are there people still to be reached? Of course there are. Every generation has new people to be reached. There's people in Jerusalem that need to be reached today that weren't alive when the apostles preached. This is an ongoing work. Until when? Until Jesus comes. Let me finish with this. And when He said these things, as they were looking on, the disciples are standing on the Mount of Olives. They're listening to Jesus teach. And while they're listening, He was lifted up. And a cloud took Him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven... As he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. And they said to them, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw Him go into heaven. Because the prophet said one day, He will come again and step foot on the Mount of Olives, and the earth will crack open. Jesus is coming again. What a great motive! The One who said the Holy Spirit would come and it came. The One who made these other three promises and He fulfilled them is also coming again. He's coming, folks! There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Jesus is coming. So the question is, how should you and I respond to this? Look, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, let me just ask you a simple question. Are you listening? Are you listening? Not to me. Are you listening to the Scriptures this morning? Are you listening to the words of the greatest prophet who ever stepped foot on the, war, on the planet? He's coming again. And if He comes and you do not know Him, like Moses said thousands of years ago, you will perish. Because you did not listen to the words of the prophet that God has sent to rescue you from your sin and from hell. I encourage you this morning, you can right where you sit, you can cry out to God and ask for forgiveness for your sin. Repent of your sin, turn away from your sin, and turn to Christ. You can't do any more than that. Turn away from your sin. Turn to this Christ. He does the rest. Believer, are you really listening? Have you heard what the scripture said today? Let me just give you two challenges. One's negative, one's positive from the last few verses we just read, and we'll close. We must stop standing around, staring into space, wondering what we should be doing. Hey guys, what are you doing? What did he just say? The very next verse, verse 12, the men went to Jerusalem, just like Jesus commanded them, and they waited until the Holy Spirit came just like Jesus commanded them. They obeyed. Are you? Are you going through your whole life like this? I I, I don't know what God wants me to do. I know I'm a Christian. I, I remember making a profession of faith. I, I, I just don't. I'm not gifted like so-and-so. I don't sing. I don't. Do this, I don't do that, I don't do this, I don't do that, I don't do this, I don't do that. I guess I'll sit here and do nothing. Or He saved me to be part of this mission. That's why he saved me. I guess I ought to step up. Start trusting Jesus. And begin actively participating with Him in this unstoppable adventure that we call the advance of the Gospel. It is an adventure if you're part of it. It is a nightmare to stand on the side and watch happen. As all of your friends serve the Lord, as all of your friends live in joy, and you live in misery, and you don't know why! stop looking around and start getting involved right where you are. You don't have to come to China. Your home, your family, your friends, your job, your neighborhood, or China, Afghanistan, India, wherever else God might call you. Get involved. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of the message of our crucified Lord and Savior and of his resurrection and of his coming again. May we be motivated to obedience, to follow what Jesus is doing here on this planet, advancing his gospel. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.